Our scripture lesson today <clears throat> comes from the book of Colossians. Uh, this will be up on the screen here for those watching, and also I think it's in your bulletin. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it's Colossians 3, 9 through 17 for those who are watching home as well. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> My wife and I have been part of a small group uh, of other couples the last three or four years or so, and we gather together with them every three, two to three weeks or so to check in, how is life going, and then we do some study together. We met uh, this past Monday, and in our time of checking in, uh, one person, uh, Craig, was sharing, giving us an update on his family, and, uh, and he shared this kind of funny story. So he and his wife lived in the West Loop, and they went out for a walk one evening. This was last weekend. And they like to kind of meander through the neighborhood and see what's going on. West Loop, of course, now is a very happening place to be. And as they were walking along, they noticed that more and more people were riding their bicycles all in this particular area. Like lots and lots, like hundreds, if not like more than a thousand bicycles. And so they went to check out what was going on. And as they went to see where all of these bicycles were gathering together, they realized, uh, you know, it seems like these bicyclists have little to nothing on their bodies. Huh. And so they were even more curious about this. And so they struck up this conversation with this person who was about ready to ride their bicycle. He was fully clothed, and he was telling them what this was. Apparently, this is the World Naked Bike Ride Chicago version. <laughs> Has anyone heard of this before? A couple people have. So this started, I think, back in 2003 in Europe, of course in Europe, uh, started in 2003 as a way to bring awareness to uh, our world's dependence on oil, but also on bicycle rights. And so it is, other than last year, of course, it's become an annual thing. Normally it happens in June, but this year in Chicago it happened last weekend. So they were talking with this guy, he excused himself, and when he came back he was wearing absolutely nothing at all. He was about ready to get on his bicycle, and so Craig thought, I've got to take a picture of this. But he emphasized to all of us, this was from the waist up uh, that he took this picture. And so, as I was reflecting on this, as I was also reading the passage uh, here today, 
I was thinking about all of these bicyclists, and I was assuming that they have this real commitment to the environment, and I'm also going to assume, of course, that these people did not have a problem with being either scantily clad or not clad at all. I don't know if this would have been the venue for me, necessarily, in order to talk about eco-justice, but for them, this made sense. Now, being naked can bring up lots of different feelings and emotions for all of us. Sometimes it can be positive, sometimes perhaps it can also be negative. But as I was reading this passage from Colossians today and thinking about this, nakedness came to mind. So today we are closing this sermon series about what does it mean to live in community. We have been talking about uh, what it means to live in this way because we are just coming back to worshiping weekly. It's been about a year and a half, and understandably, we might have forgotten what does it mean to actually be with people once again. And so we thought it would be helpful for us to have a refresher course of sorts about how to live in community. And so we've talked about uh, gratitude and hospitality and promise-making and promise-keeping so these are all ways that we've been talking about it. Also, we have been reviewing some passages in the Newer Testament of the Bible. So as a refresher course, too, a lot of these passages that we have read are letters. Letters written to the early church about how is it that we gather together again. Some of these letters that we have read in worship were written by a man named Paul. Others of these letters, we don't exactly know who wrote them. And that's the case with this passage today from Colossians. Even though at the beginning of Colossians it says that Paul is the author, many scholars believe actually this probably was maybe a follower of Paul who wrote this in Paul's name. So we have uh, this letter, and it's written to a church in this city of a city called Colossae. And this church apparently is having some conflict especially around how does one access God. There were those who were saying you can only access God through Jesus. There were others who were saying, no, no, you access God through ascetic practices or observances of holy times. And so they were uh, having fights about all of this. And whenever I read passages like this, I actually am a little glad because it's a reminder, even at the very beginning of our faith, it's a reminder that being in community is hard work. Amen? Amen. No matter if it's a pandemic or not, that means you are with humans, and humans have opinions, and we don't always agree on those opinions. No matter what it is, there is bound to be conflict. So this letter is being written to this church, like, friends, let's see if we can live into the midst of this conflict. So, in our passage today, now you're wondering, all right, now how does nakedness come into this? So... <laughs> Because at first glance, in this passage, it seems like people are putting clothes on. So, verse 10, again, it reads, And have clothed yourselves with the new self. Verse 12, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And verse 14, Above all, clothe yourselves with love. These are all powerful uh, verses and passages, and again, it's, when we read things about putting clothes on, that might make us more comfortable. But I was struck by the first verse, verse 9. 
And it says this right off the bat. It lays it straight. It says, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that, here it is, you have stripped off the old self and its practices. The message translation, this is a more modern translation, talks about this verse this way. It says, don't lie to one another. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. So when I read passages like this, now first again, when I read passages about putting clothes on, that seems more applicable. In fact, sometimes I have used it as a spiritual practice. So when I go into my closet and decide what I'm going to wear for the day, sometimes these verses come to, mind, come to mind. As I think about what shirt should I wear, what pants to put on, I also think, am I also clothing myself with humility, with patience, and with love? But before all that, the author puts it simply, don't lie to one another, period. That shouldn't be part of your faith life because you have stripped off the old self. The author is saying those clothes you used to wear, they are out of fashion. The author assumes that the reader, those listening to this, has assumed new life in Christ. So take off the clothes of your old self, put on the new clothes. But as we all know, after we take off old clothes and before we put on new clothes, there is nakedness. Now, I don't know if the author meant to make this connection. I'm doing this a little bit on my own. But I think it's important because telling the truth, the author is saying, do not lie to one another. Telling the truth can make one feel very vulnerable, even, dare I say, naked. It's hard to tell the truth. But it's necessary for real and honest community to take place. Friends, it is so much easier, I think, to live falsely. To live in a way so that others might think they know what's going on in your life. And that happens in lots of different ways. From the standard when you see somebody and you say, oh, how are things going? And what's the normal response that you hear? Good. Good. Fine. Everything is just, or, of course, lately, hanging in there. <laughs> as good as can be. What would happen if somebody said, hey, friend, how are things going? I am really, really struggling right now. I think a lot of us would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if I want to know all the information here. <laughs> Instead, we say, it's good. It's fine. And certainly on social media as well, for those of you who are on social media, we share with the world a version of ourselves that we want the world to know little bits and pieces of us, so that others might think, I've got it all going on, I'm in a great relationship, my work is fantastic, look at this awesome food that I'm eating. Whatever it is, we want people to know a certain version of us. Living that sense of falsity, of false self, is easier. But that is not what is being called to us. If any of you, again, the author is saying to get rid of the old clothes that we have and put on the new, and in the midst of that, there is nakedness. It's a little bit like, so do any of you have clothes at home that you just cannot let go of? 
It is either out of style, it has holes in it, it's buried in a box, and for sentimental reasons, you just cannot let go of it. I have here this awesome satin orange jacket that has my name on it, even. I wore this in high school when I played baseball. Uh, and my name here and my number, the West Elmer Hawks, woohoo! <laughs> this has been in my closet since 1986. Do I wear it anymore? It's kind of ugly. No, I don't. And I, frankly, I don't want people to think he's still living his high school days. Uh, but I cannot bear to part with it. It just is in a closet. And I keep thinking, why am I going to, am I ever going to use it? Again? Apparently, I need it for sermon illustrations. <laughs> no, I could easily donate it or whatever. But sometimes it's hard to let go of those old clothes. And the same is true when we think about our old self, our false self. It's hard to let go of that because sometimes it's just easier to hang on to it. But all of these things keep accumulating and make it hard to live freely. The author is saying here in Colossians to let go of that old self, of those old clothes, and put on new clothes. And in the midst of that, there is nakedness, there is vulnerability. It means that we are called to speak truth which is so hard to do, but it is so vital for us. I want to read this quote that I came across this week. I'll read it for our online uh, folks and then here the sanctuary. Uh, you can look it up on the screen. This is from John Shelley. He's a professor of religion, was a retired professor of religion at Furman University. And he says this about truth-telling. He says, truth-telling can be very difficult especially if it means being open to painful truths about ourselves or about matters that really cost us something. Reinhold Niebuhr, who is a 20th century theologian, reminds us that much of our ignorance is not simple ignorance. It is often willed ignorance. The refusal to face the truth that stares us in the face. For Christians who have been baptized into the body of Christ, who is the truth, Truth-telling ought to be not an occasional act of honest speaking, but a way of life that is free to see reality, including one's own reality for what it is. Those are good words, and I think when I read words like that, I'm like, yes, amen to that. But when I actually think about putting it into practice, when I think about speaking the truth about myself, or I know if I have to have a hard conversation with somebody else because I feel like something has gone wrong, if I have been wronged, that is a whole other level of living in community. And yet I think this is what the author of Colossians is trying to get at. He knows that the community is in conflict. He wouldn't talk about forgiveness unless there was some things that needed to be forgiven. What would it mean for us to begin the process? Now, it's not going to happen overnight, but what would it mean to be in a community where we have the freedom to speak truth about ourselves and to also speak truth in love, as the scriptures tell us, to speak truth in love to somebody else. And not just fellow people that we sit in the pews with, but also to leaders in the community, to those who have authority, to those in power. We have tried our best as a staff to allow and to give freedom to people to speak to us when we feel or if they feel that we have done them wrong. 
Because we all know there have been countless harmful, damaging examples of the church abusing that power. And so what would it mean to be able to have that kind of community where we can speak truth? And that is our hope that we can be that kind of place. We won't always get it right, but that is our hope. I've been reading a book <clears throat> lately by Austin Hartke, and the book is Transforming <clears throat> the Bible and the Lives of Transgender Christians. And in the book, he mentions a, a man named Taj Smith. And Taj gives some reflections about the struggle for him as a black trans man about trying to find a community of faith. And Taj tells this story, powerful story, about coming into a church and what it would mean for him to be welcomed. So I want to read you this short excerpt about this story that Taj tells. He says, the first Sunday I went back to my church after I came out as trans, I just remember standing in front of the table full of name tags and staring at my name tag and thinking, <clears throat> I cannot put that on. I remember looking blank. And one of the greeters comes up to me and she says, do you need help finding your name tag? <clears throat> and she laughed, and I laughed, and I said, no, I think I need a new one. And she just kind of looked at me, and so I said, yeah, I need a new one, like forever. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment here in this story. Here is somebody who's coming into this community of faith, who's beginning to tell the truth about himself to himself and to others. Something seemingly as insignificant as a name tag actually is huge. For him to be able to say, I need a new name tag, not just for today, but like forever, the courage and the power for him to speak the truth to himself, about himself, and speak to somebody else, that is enormous, the kind of courage that that takes. He's risking. He's naked. He's vulnerable. So now, once he has said this, once he has said, I need a new name tag, like forever, how will this other person respond? And this is where, how can a community of faith receive truth? And she says, okay. And she got me a new name tag. And she said, why don't you write your name on this one, and we'll have a new permanent one for you next week. Being in that church throughout my entire transition and growing with that church through that time was so necessary for me. They were probably the most supportive people in my life, other than the handful of friends that I have. Church, can we be that kind of community? So when somebody says, I need a new name tag, and they may literally mean I'm changing my name, or they might mean I need a new name tag because of this new truth that I am living into, will we say, oh, I don't know, are you sure about that? Just keep your old one for a while. Let's see if that's really true. Or will we say, okay, we will receive you. We will celebrate you. We will support you as you continue to live into your truth. And then maybe that is a spark that allows all of us to be able to live into and speak our own truth to ourselves and to one another as well. That is hard work. It is so much easier to just simply come into community for an hour, a week or so, and just kind of live our lives as we want others to think that we live them. But this is our call, friends, of what it means to live in community, to live into this kind of truth. I hope and pray that we can continue that process, 
so that we can let go of those old clothes that we cling to, that we put on clothes of compassion and love and honesty and transparency and openness. And in the midst of that, of that naked vulnerability, that that is part of being church too. Knowing all the while, in the midst of every step of that process, that God is with us as we live into that new community. Let's pray. Holy, love you, gracious God, we give you thanks for the many ways that you are with us. We pray that you would take that hard step of really being truthful with ourselves and with one another. We know that when we do, we can flourish, and our love will grow, and our compassion will deepen. Help us to have those conversations, and to be able, in small ways, allow others to be truthfully who you have created them to be. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.